Sergeant. Abraham, you there? This is the Cliffy Clatch Crew Walking Dead episode review. I fully respect the hair game. There is a vast ocean of shit and people don't know shit about. Welcome back to the Coffee Clatch Crew Walking Dead episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we're reviewing episode six, Always Accountable. All right. This sucked just like the last one. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Doctor Who in their second season with their 12th Doctor, Peter Cabaldi. Now, this episode, we went out into space. No, Jason. We love Doctor Who, but this is not a Doctor Who review podcast. I know, but this sucks. Can't we just quit this? No, we got to stay with it. You don't like quitting? No. So you don't like loose ends? No. Do they make your ass itch? <laughs> Are you Abraham? <laughs> loose ends make my ass itch. <laughs> this episode was directed by Jeffrey January and written by Heather Belson. It had 12.87 million viewers. So it was actually up from last week's 12.44. Believe it or not. Okay. I guess. <laughs> I have two fun facts to give you before we jump into our synopsis. The walker that Daryl kills in the woods after escaping contains a Cherokee rose on its body. So this is actually an Easter egg to both Daryl and Carol from Season 2, Episode 4, which was titled Cherokee Rose. Oh, okay. I I don't know how in the heck you would know that flower was a Cherokee rose, but it's kind of fun. Makes you miss Carol. Certainly. Well, their camaraderie. Yeah, we haven't seen them together in a while, and I hadn't really thought about that until now. Maybe it's a reflection of how alone Daryl is this episode. Yeah, I'm feeling this entire season, like, even though the characters are together, they are kind of alone. You know, even when they're interacting, it feels like they each have their own journey they're going through. Oh, yeah. But particularly, yes, this was highlighted for Daryl this episode. And speaking of our main characters, this is the 11th episode in the entire Walking Dead series, which Rick didn't appear. Third this season. Yeah, and that's out of what? Something like 70-something episodes? Yeah. Only the 11th one without Rick? And third out of six. And I I don't remember too many episodes where it's this heavily Daryl. No, not at all. I was glad for that. I really have been wanting to get a little bit more of an inside look at Daryl. However, this didn't really offer us a lot of information about him, right? And in fact, he was kind of acting a little bit not Daryl-ish at certain points. So not really the best usage of our time if we were going to really zero in on him. And same thing with Abraham and Sasha. We'll talk about it, but it was a little weird. The things supposedly we were learning about them, these deep revelations, I didn't pick up on that. Me neither. While we didn't see a lot of our main characters, we did get introduced to five new characters. We can go through them quickly. The first one is Wade, played by Darren Cooper. He was the leader of that search party that was hunting for the trio of Dwight, Sherry, and Tina, the guy that amputated Cam's arm after he was bitten. Okay. So then you have Cam, 
played by Matt Lowe. He was the member of the search party that got, that got distracted. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quite an amputation, huh? They just sort of lopped it off. No hesitation. Well, I think that... Can we go into that? No, we'll go into that in a second. Yeah. Um, let's talk about our trio first. So we had Dwight, played by Austin Emilio. He was the leader of the three people trying to escape the search party. And he's married to Sherry, played by Christine Evangelista. The two of them, we find out, were trying to help her younger sister, Tina. Tina's played by Liz Morgan. She was the young girl, a diabetic. And I guess we were supposed to figure out that she used to babysit for these girls, Carla and Deli, the two people they found um, in the house oh. that they thought were dead. Okay. That brings us to our deaths. There were four. One was Tina herself. Two and three were Carla and Deli, these people who appeared dead, and we find out they were actually zombies. And then the fourth was just two unnamed survivors. Let's talk about the episode. Starting from the top, while helping lead the Walker horde away from Alexandria, Daryl gets separated relatively quickly from Sasha and Abraham while they are ambushed by an armed unknown attacker in cars. Daryl crashes his bike while trying to get away, and somehow the radios fail to communicate so he can't get in touch with them. Do you know what that's about? Did they go outside of some sort of distance limit? I don't think so, because they were far away from each other when Rick was talking to him. That's right. I think these are pretty strong. I don't know enough, but I guess we're just meant to believe that there was issues. <laughs> these are the kind of things, though, from little to big that annoy me mm-hmm. when problems and plots are just sort of fabricated. Yeah, and thrown in there to make the story work. Well, anyhow, when he recovers, Daryl's captured by the trio of survivors. And now we begin to follow two storylines. One is Abraham and Sasha who are waiting for Daryl and then Daryl's adventure with the new group. So this new group takes Daryl to a nearby fuel dump where they are hoping to rendezvous with more of their group. They mention they are looking for somebody named Patty. We learn along the way that a bunch of walkers were burned by them while they were fighting back. That brings me to one of my big questions of the episode. Who are these people, this new trio we've met, and why were they forced to leave their old group and fight back? What's going on here? I don't think we are meant to know. I think this is another one of those questions that they keep adding to the pile that I don't think I care enough to know yet. Yeah, well, we have some pretty major questions hanging in limbo for our main characters that have been dragged out for many episodes now. Yeah. And without answering them, they expect to switch gears into these new characters. I mean, first they did secondary characters in Alexandria. A lot of built-up, fabricated plots there. And now you have a bunch of new characters that you don't know with more questions. I mean, how long can they continue doing this before they just lose people? We still don't have an answer to where is Glenn. We still haven't gotten to see what happened to Rick during his escape from the camper. We still haven't seen Rick talk to the Alexandrians about the wolf attack. We're not even addressing this. Uh, When will we get to discover Morgan's secrets? What's going on with Ron? Is he going to turn against um, Rick and the group? And did Carl leave? So a lot of really big things going on to shift gears to this. But do you have any predictions on who this group could be? I do, but I do want to touch upon this whole extending the drama. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a kind of silly analogy. Okay. But a picture when you were young and you chew gum, right? And then you would kind of pull the gum out. Mm-hmm. 
And when you pull the gum out so far, it snaps. Mm-hmm. And it, so it gets really delicate and then snaps. Picture that when I say, this is how I feel, that when they extend the drama so much to this point, the tension evaporates. So essentially it snaps. So the tension that we're supposed to feel, is he alive, is he not? What happened to yeah. such and such? It kind of just dwindles when we wait. We have to live our lives for four weeks and wait. And then we get encumbered with other questions. And then they answer it. We're like, oh, all right. Well, you, well yeah, <laughs> I think the only way to resolve this now, because they've really backed themselves into a corner, will be if they have something truly epic and original to explain what's happening to Glenn. So for those of you Game of Thrones fans who are following um, we can use an analogy to that. For people who don't know what's going on, massive spoiler alert, turn off for a few. <laughs> if we look at the last season that just ended in Game of Thrones, we leave on a cliffhanger for the season, which is really not heard of too often, with our most, one of our most major characters, his potential death in the balance, mm-hmm. right? So... Jon Snow seems to be dead. We're not really sure. Right. That's a long way to stretch things out for viewers to not really know, be thinking he's dead. Now, I think Game of Thrones can handle this because when they come back, I think there's going to be a really awesome explanation. Also, the readers have been waiting for four years. Correct. (laughs) And somehow they've managed to have that still be okay. And I think there's hope there that John's going to warg into a wolf or he's going to come back as a white walker. There's going to be something so amazing that it's worth waiting for. Right. I don't see that happening in the world of The Walking Dead. And I don't think anything short of that is going to be okay for fans. So they've really kind of painted themselves into a corner. But I'm going to hold out my last little shred of hope that perhaps they have an incredible twist. Glenn's pregnant too. (laughs) And what was the, I'm sorry, what was the question you asked me? Oh, do I have any predictions? Um, yeah, on who the new group is. Oh, right. That the trio is kind of running from. Well, there's, there's a few things you have to factor in. When they introduce groups or, or other inhabitants of this new world, mm-hmm. and they're really just there for that storyline, just for maybe that episode or two, mm-hmm. there's not much to them. But with this particular group, We've learned that they're very well organized. Mm-hmm. They're pretty large and spread out enough where these three characters that picked up Daryl didn't know that he was part of the group. Right. Uh, and they have rules. Mm-hmm. Bow down to us. Uh, essentially, you can be part of our organization, but you have to give up all your possessions. So this is a group... And then we see the way they reacted when he was bit. I was just going to say they have knowledge enough to know that they have to amputate the arm quickly right away. if they've gotten bit. And so this is not a wolf-like group who's just running around kind of crazy, killing people, no seeming order to them. It, they could be something like our group, correct? A little more militant and larger. Yeah, imagine if Rick really started to take control of our group and crack down and uh, recruit new people and the Alexandrians come in now. This could look, I mean, we've only gotten the briefest of looks at them, but it could be something like that. You never know. So with that being said, I think that we're going to see or hear from this group again. And I think it's going to be the main storyline in the second half of the second half of this season onto the next season. 
Yeah, the only thing that scares me about them is the trio's reaction to them. They're really afraid. They don't want to go back to them. It seems like they're being extorted in some way and pressured into this. So there could be a dark side to them, and I'm kind of interested in learning about them. But again, you can't just bring up all this new stuff when we don't even know what's going on with the old stuff. I, I don't care enough then in the back of my mind, I'm not still thinking, where is Glenn? What's right. going on with Rick? You what know? This leads me to believe that they're setting up for later storylines. Because mm-hmm. we still have the wolves to worry about, so it's not going to jump right to the... like. You know how we were saying it might get stale where they have an enemy, they mm-hmm. defeat the enemy, they move, they start to get comfortable, then there's a new enemy. So this is kind of, I think, their way of mixing the spices a little bit where they're going to introduce these guys... And then we're going to have to deal with the wolves. And then we'll slowly see these guys come back in. And they're going to be even stronger and, and more deadlier than the wolves. Well, see, that, what I was hoping for was kind of what you're saying, where we would cross paths with, with them a few times and kind of get to know them a little bit, but continue to be curious about who they are, what their purpose is. But instead of being an enemy that they have to fight in another Woodbury-type thing or another group of... Um, savage cannibals or wolves or whatever it might be, are we finally going to find a halfway decent group that we could perhaps unite with or be cool with or or something? We haven't really had a group like that before. We've had smaller people, groups of twos and threes and whatever. But Well, I think the group you're speaking of is, is the town they're in right now. That's Alexandrians, that yeah, but they're not fighters. They're people right. we have to babysit. Right. You know, um, I, I'm just hoping there could be something there, but I, I don't have a lot of hope right now. <laughs> Going back over to Daryl, to this group, this trio is dismayed when they find the area they were looking for is overrun with walkers. And it turns out none of their people are alive. Taking the opportunity while they're in shock, Daryl steals his gear and escapes. Along with their bag... And he finds out later when he opens it up that it has a cooler full of insulin in it. So now, of course, we see Daryl feel bad about that. Here we cut back over to Abraham and Sasha. They've been leaving clues for Daryl in a nearby town, figuring that the best way to let a tracker know where you are is just to stay put and leave tracking clues. They set up camp in an office building with a trapped walker. What was the point of this trapped walker behind the glass there? They kept going back to it. I think that was the writer's way of getting into their mental states and how they're dealing with their own demons. Mm -hmm. Because in those scenes, this episode, they're dealing with this demon inside of them that is staring them in the face and they don't know what to do Mm -hmm. and they can't defeat it or they don't know how to defeat it. So that was kind of like a visual way to make us feel that. Well, and you certainly see the two reactions totally different. That Abraham wants to go in there and just take care of it, kill it right away. Sasha says, no, it's fine. He can't get to us. What's the point? Let's just leave it be. I think that's reflective of what Sasha went through the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Her freaking out. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't deal with it. To her, seems like she's dealing with her demons that are still there. They're not vanquished, but she's able to look at them and be in the same quote-unquote, room or whatever with them. Well, that makes sense because then they get into a discussion about their past actions where Sasha concludes that everybody is accountable for their own actions. Thus the title of our episode. 
At this point, Abraham acts in line with his character. And he goes out, he's got to do something, right? So he goes to scavenge supplies and he manages to recover a rocket-propelled grenade launcher. We have this scene with him on the bridge. And cigars. No, oh, yeah, that too. We have this scene with him on the bridge where he sees he's come across a military truck. And yeah. there's a guy hanging from the side of the bridge. He's the one that has the grenade launcher. He has this real kind of standoff with him. At first, he goes and reaches right out over like he's going to pull it off of him. And he's, you know, really staring at him in the face. Some and sort of panic. Yeah, some sort of revelation comes to him. and He mm-hmm. takes a step back. That's when he goes and lights the cigar, and eventually the walker just kind of falls off on its own, leaving the launcher for him to take. What do you think he was going through in that moment? We're meant to think this is something big, because clearly he's changed after he comes back from this experience. His strength is fighting things off, right? Always needing to be physical with it. Mm -hmm. At his own peril, often. Right. So I think when he uh, steps back and just relaxes and takes a cigar break, this problem fixes itself. The zombie falls off, but the gun stays there. Mm-hmm. So kind of the only way he's been dealing with this is to keep moving, keep doing, keep killing, but sometimes it's not the smartest move, like where they were leading the walker horde away, and Sasha told him, you can't just get out of the car and go attack things and, and go hit it head on like that. That's dangerous for you and the whole plant, but he really hasn't known any other way until now. And he allows himself to take that step back here. Apparently, it makes sense. It works out for him. And when he goes back to Sasha, he tells her that he's found a new purpose for living. He really has a different tune to sing. And then he begins to flirt with her. Yeah, I didn't like that. I don't know. Maybe I missed what that scene was supposed to mean. But isn't he with Rosetta? Rosita, yeah, they led you to believe there really was something happening there, right? They did have sex a lot, right? I think was so. Was that the woman he was having sex with when... Uh, yeah, and more than the that, weirdo just... weirdo was staring? Yeah, it seemed like they had a relationship building. They'd been yeah. through a lot of stuff together. It never seemed like there was anything between him and Sasha. And in fact, she doesn't seem interested at all here. So, I don't know, it felt like it was supposed to be a really deep scene with the two of them, and then they went over to this very surface thing of like, hey, let's think about getting together, and it was a weird... Exchange. Yeah, transition (laughs) over to that, I don't know. Then we go back to Daryl's storyline, and he decides to return the insulin to the three survivors. What do you think about that decision to bring it back? Uh, Before we go on... I know that we're skimming over that part, and there's probably a big meaning for that. And normally we're good at finding meanings, but we're missing that one. The Abraham and Sasha thing? Yeah, the whole sexual innuendo. So if anyone out there that has some kind of theory or knows what's going on or picked up something that we don't, please let us know. Again, contact at coffeeclasscrew.com. Just email us. Let us know, and we'll discuss it next episode. Yeah, and I, I you know, briefly, I could see somebody making the argument that the thing between him and Rosita really was just sex. And perhaps that was a surface relationship. And now that he's had this revelation, he decides he can get into a real relationship and, and get in touch with his deeper feelings. And he actually does like Sasha, maybe want to give this a genuine go. But if that's where they're going, I don't think they left enough information for that to make sense. Now it feels like they're doing a 180 to try to cap off these, character moments for the two of these people that the character moments they were supposed to be having on the bridge and in this office felt short 
Yeah. It, it, you know, it did not reach the bar of what they were trying to do, and I didn't feel it. And we're getting a lot of romance this season. Yeah, pointless romance. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Things that, that it feels like they're throwing them in there to try to be like, oh, they're still good in this world and the <laughs> walking dead. People can find love. But it, that doesn't feel genuine the way it did with, say, Maggie and Glenn. Right. Or, you know, a lot of the other romances that we've seen along the way. So, yeah, now back to Daryl and him returning the insulin. Um, I like that it feels in line with Daryl's new character that we've been building for many seasons now about actually starting to connect with people and wanting to give them a chance and trying to help people, look out for people. Um, He has had some really great character arcs throughout the entirety of The Walking Dead. So I can kind of see him going back. I can see him feeling bad about this thing. This is the noble thing to do. But I think he takes it a bit too far to the point that I'm like, really? Would Daryl do this? Would he not be more aware of what's happening? When he goes to return the insulin, they're confronted by a larger armed group who has come to take it as well. So this is when Daryl helps the three of them hide and we're introduced to the you know bigger part of the group that the trio has been running from. Daryl saves the trio from one of the searchers, we find out is Cam, by creating a distraction, and that's what causes him to get bitten. Right. Now, he didn't, did he know that was going to happen? Was he just trying to distract him, or was he actually baiting the walker? Because that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Because he knew the walker was out of Cam's view. Hmm. And as he walked by, the walker would be right there. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and then Wade has to amputate the arm. We see that he is sort of the leader. Finally, the larger group gives up the search and they move on. I like how Wade uh, was gracious enough to take off the watch and hand it to him. He took off the watch of the arm that was cut off. Yeah. (laughs) He's an interesting character from the, you know, five seconds that we've gotten with him so far. Very strong. You can tell he's a strong character. Mm -hmm. We will be seeing him again. Absolutely. And then as Daryl and the survivors continue on, they encounter a burned house where the younger sister, Tina, recognizes two of the dead. Now, how did she recognize? She must have known the house, the house. right? Because they were really blackened and they had some sort of like... It was glass. It was melted glass. Was that what it was? Yeah. Melted glass? Okay. So I assume that was what was kind of preserving them and allowing them to turn into zombies instead of just fully die under there. Well, what we've learned is fire doesn't kill them. And right. they show that when Daryl falls off earlier in the episode, when he falls off the motorcycle and kind of lays down, and there's that just burnt up walker with the motorcycle helmet still on. Yeah, he was like still a alive. child, perhaps. Yeah. Because I was thinking, why, why is his body so small and the head so big? It actually kind of looked like an alien for a minute. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it was like some kind of burned child. Still alive. Yeah. So fire does not kill them. They're teaching us that repeatedly. I think we had another maybe incident with an allusion to fire uh, because earlier on I was saying when they were trying to conquer the walker horde, things they could do with it, drown it, blow them up, um, burn them was one of the things I said. Yeah. And I, I kind of figured, you know, they're trying to get the brain. So when you think of burning it up, you think nothing's going to really be left except the bones. I'm not quite sure how this works, that they're burned to a crisp, but the brain is still in there and they can still become zombies. I don't know, but clearly we're supposed to learn that here. 
And Tina decides she's upset about this. She realizes she knew these people. They're the kids she used to help babysit for. And she wants to put flowers on top of them. Well, she's like devastated and emotional. And I knew these these are walkers now. Don't get close to them. And, and she falls. Everybody should know at this point, whether you're 100% sure or not, not to go near dead people. Yeah. Period. And this was another, there was a couple things throughout here that I was like, Daryl should know this. Daryl shouldn't do this. I mean, it just, you know, and I've been saying that about our main characters a lot this season, that they don't seem to be on par with how they used to be with their knowledge and the things they're doing. Um, and yeah, certainly the way she deals with this is just to like really clumsily fall down. Another horrible Badly acting. acted and filmed and directed. It looked fake where she was like, oh no, oh, I've douche. fallen. And they, I think they thought they could get away with it because they did a camera switch. But no, it was stupid. But no. We're too educated as viewers now. It was like a repeat of the Eastman thing. Yeah, exactly. Where if he was going to get bit, it should have happened in epic fashion that he would know better than to just put himself directly in front of a walker. Right. And I have two things about this. One, they were surrounded by melted, now hardened glass. So these walkers aren't strong. How would they all of a sudden just move and the glass is gone? Yeah, no. And two... We've seen from this group that they're coming from when Wade cut Cam's arm off. Mm -hmm. Did you see how they weren't hesitant? There was right. no like, oh, what do I do? This is what we got to do. They knew exactly what to do. And this, these three are coming from the same group. Shouldn't they be just as aware? Absolutely. And even people in our group, that's what I'm saying. They're not taking those steps that they normally take in the past. I don't know. That's that's probably got me bothered more than anything else. So she falls down, and obviously the walkers are able to get up and kill her. Daryl and the other two, Dwight and Sherry, continue to move on. And Daryl thinks about recruiting them to Alexandria. He has this whole talk with them. He does the questions. Yeah. And I was wondering about that, too. I mean, I guess they seemed all right up until this point, but it was really sort of going out on a limb to make that comment. And here we have it that they end up betraying him. They steal his crossbow and his motorcycle. And as they drive away, he tells them they're going to pay. They're mm -hmm. going to be sorry for that. And he loses his motorcycle and his bow. And his crossbow, the, everything that... The two that, things that define him. <laughs> right. We've been talking a lot about that. The symbols of each person. Morgan yeah. has his staff. Rick has his gun and his hat. This is what makes Daryl Daryl. So what's he going to do now? You know, they show that he's pretty adept with his knife, but I hope that he fashions or finds some kind of new bow. So his new thing is going to be try to find these people probably once he gets back. Yeah, you have to wonder. Our last scene, we see that Daryl finds the working gas truck and on the license plate it reads Patty. So this was never a person. Patty was in fact the truck. Patty wagon. And manages to follow the clues back to reunite with Abraham and Sasha. As they return to Alexandria, he tries to reach Rick on the radio, only for an unfamiliar voice to respond with help. Yep. So now all of a sudden the radios work. They work well <laughs> enough that somebody's able to get back to him. Uh, who do you think is calling for help? I don't know. I, I, I'd really be guessing on this because I'm not, there's nothing educated about what I'm saying. Emotionally, I want it to be Glenn, Glenn but was it Rick? 
It did not sound like Rick. And if you think about it logically, mm-hmm. only a certain amount of people had those radios when they went out on the run. So unless some, somebody in our group dropped one and a, a random person was able to pick it up, the odds are it probably is somebody that we know. Oh, it's got to be. Or, wait, did they steal his radio? No, because he was talking on it. But the, the other two had... Abe and uh, what's her name had a radio too. Abraham and Sasha. I think they still have theirs because they were trying to call Daryl right, earlier on. Right, but did on. they steal Daryl's radio? The, the two that stole his bike? No, because at the end, that's where he hears the call for help coming out of his radio. Okay. See what I mean? So, I, I mean, it could have... There's a part of me that actually thinks the voice could have sounded a little bit like Glenn. It's hard to tell just from one word. Well, what about who's the guy that killed himself and made Glenn die too? Nicholas. What if Nicholas is alive and that's his voice? And what if that whole sequence, because remember he was freaking out in his mm-hmm. head? What if that whole sequence was, sequence was fake? It was all in his head. Like he was thinking about there this was, is what would happen there if was he lost it? Either when he saw his friend that he banded dead. Mm-hmm as a walker that's when he thought of all this or when they were stuck on top of the garbage can yeah he has that weird sort of disconnect moment from reality where things get a little hazy and he's tuning everything out right before they fall off yeah so yeah i suppose it's a possibility that might be kind of a weak way this to is a this is a stretch by the way i'm not really believing in what i'm saying but no but <laughs> I, I could see it it would just be a weak explanation after all of this uh stringing you along to have it be one of those oh it was all a dream type of things but i could see it so this is our second episode in a row where we're just not happy and, and we're just, we're pointing out how unhappy we are with things and i don't know if this begets a, a good podcast, but uh, you know we can't fake being happy about it, and uh, hopefully we're putting in enough little things that you didn't know, and our theories are good enough. But uh, I know that listening to angry podcasts isn't the best thing. But. No, it's not. But I, you know, I still have continued to do my research, like I do for every podcast, and most of what's out there that I'm reading about is all of these same things: people being dissatisfied. And I would think that it would be a very bad podcast if we were just bashing the entire time. But I'm also trying to to point out, and I don't know if it's working or not, things about the story and the plot to me that don't really make sense. I mean, if there was stuff to pick apart and analyze despite me not liking it, then I would be all for that. But I can't really even find things to dissect because it seems like... The plot lines are weak. They're bouncing around between characters we're not really into. They're not answering questions. I mean, it's really hard to come up with new information. But, um, you know, we're doing our best. If you have any suggestions for how to make this better, we would definitely appreciate any feedback. And hopefully this is just a little bump in the road. We've had some before in the history of Walking Dead, and we never give up on it because we do love this series. And we can just hope that it's going to turn around soon. It's uh, They started with such a bang this season. And unfortunately, two of those great episodes, we didn't do a podcast, and that's my fault. But uh, I think it's going to get better. I think they should have just stretched the beginning type stuff out a little bit longer so that these questions were left hanging at the end of this section over our break. 
and then we could come back and answer them later. But they left the questions hanging too early. And now they're trying to do fillers to stuff in from here to the end of the break, I think. Yeah, but I think what they're doing is they're setting up new questions and then they're going to answer a lot of the questions right before the break, which will make us more intrigued for the, the other questions. Oh, you think we will get those answers before the some, break? Some of them, yeah. We're going to find out about Glenn before this half. Oh, geez, we better at least find out about Glenn. Well, so let's get into the ratings. Metacritic gave this a 79. Rotten Tomatoes gave it 86%. Or 86, si- that's good. Yeah, well, that equates to 6.6 out of 10, if you're wondering how that's it's sort of like our rating, where we do out of 10. Okay. And the consensus said, something of a filler episode, but always accountable comes to life in its final moments with an exciting cliffhanger. Cliffhanger? Hmm, I guess they mean the help on the radio. I guess that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm just going to go right over to my rating, and I'm going to go with the same as last time and give this five walkers i'm gonna give it 4.5 just because it's it's off the back of the five that we gave last time which if you keep delivering uh, a a bad blow my grading is just gonna keep going down because i was still on the hopes of and not off the tingles i was getting from the episode prior yeah if it was consecutive i definitely gave it a thought to go back down and then i tried to step back and just think if we hadn't had last episode what would i give this and having daryl a little bit on his own i guess was the only thing that spiced it up enough for me to a five um but yeah not fantastic and our next episode episode seven will be heads up Quote of the day was loose ends make my ass itch. <laughs> Way to go, Abraham. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please keep in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts on episodes so we can talk about it on the next podcast. Remember to go to our website, click on the Amazon banners, do your shopping there. Christmas is coming. Start to get some shit together. Go through our banner. Doesn't cost you any more, just helps us out. By the way, we also might have a movie review episode for you soon. So stay tuned and check out our news on that. Till next time, this round's on me. This round is on me.